You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Thanks, Will. I can't see anybody. Could you bring those house lights down just a little bit? (laughs) There we go. Well, I look out there and I see all of my friends who have been part of my story for years. And this morning, I get to tell you a little piece of my story. And if you don't know me, I'm Fran Bates. I've been at ACF. I've been at ACF for about 15 years, and my husband isn't here this morning uh, because he thought he would make me nervous. (laughs) And he was probably smart to do so. So I want to tell you a little bit about provision and the way that God shows up and what he did for me and my husband. Um, And the the story really does start many years ago, but about five years ago, um, my husband and I uh, had survived two major illnesses, my, my illness and then his illness. And from that, we had some really bad financial problems. And, um, and we walked through it. God was there all the time. If you don't look, if you, don't, if you aren't currently looking for God's fingerprints, learn to look for God's fingerprints. They're all over my story. They're all over my life. And I'm always amazed but thankful that he does consistently show up. So about five years ago, my husband and I um, had some financial difficulties, which um, it was pretty crazy. All I can tell you is you never want to have to live paycheck to paycheck. And worse than that, you never want to have more month than money. And that was our situation going into this financial crisis. And... um, I'm gonna fast forward because I don't have a whole lot of time to share with you, but I'm gonna fast forward uh, to when the, when the pandemic started and the way that God started blessing us. The, the way that he did it was uh, Steve got a little more work and I continued to work uh, my Mary Kay business and things got a little bit better. And, um, and I could see God's fingerprints and his provision through all of that. But then uh, things got worse. I was driving a 17-year-old car, and I'm smiling at Chris because Chris and I had many discussions about my car and what to do about it. The air conditioning went out. It'd been out for a few years, but I never told anybody because I had a lot of pride and want people to know what was really going on. And so I was able to get by staying in about a five mile radius and keeping the windows down. And then the worst thing that could probably happen, the driver's side air, <laughs> this driver's side window would not go down. <laughs> and you can imagine in the summer how hot that was. And it was crazy. It was crazy. People would give me rides when I had to go somewhere and God provided really good friends. And then when you, just when you think your story is just, can get any worse, 
I was there. I, I hit rock bottom. I would cry out to the Lord. Couldn't figure out why he, his hand wasn't moving in that situation. There were plenty of people around, but my pride wouldn't even let me ask people for help in a lot of circumstances. And so I, I pray every day with our group from 12 to one. And I shared probably more of my story than I would have. And God, in a matter of about 30 days, turned our whole story around. Here's what happened. I got offered a position um, as executive director of the West Austin Chamber. And at that exact same moment in this financial trial that had been going on for four or five years, I was, I could not stay, I honestly couldn't stand it. I would, Steve and I would talk. And I said, when is this gonna be over? When is this gonna be over? And I went to the mailbox one day and we had the letter saying the financial trial had been settled. I stood there and I cried and Steve and I weeped together. I couldn't believe that that was over. But that wasn't the end of God's provision. That was just the beginning. So, at that point, Steve said, okay, now we can look to get you a car. We couldn't do anything. We were like handcuffed because we couldn't do anything because of this financial deal. So Steve said, now we can get you a car. And I was like, wait, I wanna be in my position. Uh, we don't have the money for a down payment. I did not wanna move. I was really frozen in time. And then we got two amazing gifts. A friend of mine, handed me basically what was the equivalent of her, um, those checks the government sent out. And I, I was like, wait a second, you need this as much as I do. And she said, God told me to give it to you. What is it that Will says? Sometimes when God's people call out for God's help, God's answer is God's people. But that still wasn't the end of the story there was another donation coming, an anonymous donation, a huge anonymous donation. We received an anonymous donation, I still don't know who this was from, for $10,000. I was able to get my car, finally, <laughs> get rid of the old one. <laughs> It was, it, was a, it was truly a blessed day, and it continues with full and full of blessings. And the two verses that God put on my heart, well, one has been with me my whole marriage for almost 25 years, and the other is a lifetime verse. The first, every good and perfect gift is from above. That's from James 1.17. And the other is Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to the riches that are in God, Christ Jesus. Amen. And so, Father, thank you, and surely you are. Let me pray for us. 
Father God, I'm so thankful for your provision, the way that you have provided for us all these years, God. There have been, your fingerprints have been with us all along. God, there truly is no coincidence. It's all you, God. Every good and perfect gift is from you, God. God, you shine out all the time. You show up and you show out. You are the God of all. Father, what a blessing. You are so powerful to provide, God. I pray for anyone right now who is struggling financially, God. Strip away their pride and give them, God, give them what you want them to have, God. You do not leave us as orphans, but you adopt us and make us children of the Most High God. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name I pray, amen. My name is Nelson Lombard. I am 13 years old and I am in the eighth grade. Today, I've been asked to share my testimony for Thanksgiving. I am very honored to share my testimony for Thanksgiving, even if I don't really like the holiday. You see, my dad loves to give me practical advice. For instance, burn more calories than you consume or spend less money than you earn. Apparently, these concepts go out the window during Thanksgiving. On Thursdays, dads put on the holiday weight they will be carrying around for the next six months. And on Fridays, moms empty their bank accounts buying Christmas gifts for their children. And although I don't like these aspects of Thanksgiving, I do think that it is very important to give thanks, which is what I'm going to be doing with this testimony. Now, if you don't know what a testimony is, it is how you went from not knowing God to knowing God. Like a lot of kids at this church, I grew up in a Christian home. Whenever I was five, I accepted Jesus into my heart, and whenever I was eight, I got baptized. And although I didn't know it then, looking back, I think I knew of Jesus, but I didn't have a real relationship with him. Going into fifth grade, I'd had a good Christian friend in each of my classes. Then in fifth grade, I got put into a class with a bunch of people who didn't know Jesus at all. Now, since I didn't have a strong relationship with Jesus, I didn't try to lead them to Jesus. Instead, I let them lead me away from him. They started cussing a lot, so I also started cussing. Now, to some of you, maybe cussing isn't the biggest deal in the world, but for me as a fifth grader, it was rock bottom. Yeah. That summer, going into sixth grade, I was finally old enough to go into youth groups up at the barn and the church up there. Uh, it was then where I started to grow closer to God, but I still wasn't where I am today. Then this past spring, I went to spring retreat. There was an open mic and I went up on stage and I talked about revival. I talked about how every person in the country would come to know God. When I got home, I was thinking to myself, I can't just go up there and say all that and not do anything about it. So I started a small group. Every week, around 10 to 15 people come. I usually, I usually have a lesson plan, then we pray, and sometimes we have small group questions. It was because of this Bible study and ACF small groups that I was able to grow closer to God than I ever had before. It felt like nothing could break my relationship with God. Then this past September, my grandma passed away. For a lot of people, this might have pushed them away from God, but for me, it only brought me closer. 
with the friends and my family that God has placed in my life, I was able to stay close to God through everything that happened. The thing that I learned from all of this is how God has a plan. Even when I, even when I was going through my struggles and was away from God, He still had a plan for me. God also has a purpose for everyone. Through the Bible study and through COVID, I've almost found a purpose of teaching God's Word. God has given me a gift and a purpose to teach and to communicate. Uh, a song by Stephen Furtick says, when your desire aligns with His divine, that is when great things happen. So that is what I am thankful for, that God has a purpose and a plan for me. The verse that I wanna share is Deuteronomy 28, 13. It says, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, placing you above and not beneath. If you obey the commands of the Lord my God, I give you today to keep and observe. Yeah. What that verse means to me is that as long as you obey His commands and as long as you trust in Him, God will put you at the head and not the tail. Lastly, I'm gonna pray for everyone so if you'll bow your heads. God, I, I pray for everyone here, Lord. I pray that they know that God has a plan for them. Whether, go, whether they're going through hardships or financial struggles or whatever they're going through, I pray that they will keep trusting in God because He has a plan for them, God. God, I pray that everyone here has a purpose, God, that they're not just wandering around in life, not doing anything, but they have a purpose, a specific gift and a purpose designed for them, God. I pray that they know what that purpose is and that they know that God has a plan for them to fill out that purpose, God. I pray that they will notice it and they will notice that purpose and then they will give God their praise for that plan and their purpose, God. God, I pray all this in your name, amen. How do you follow that? <laughs> oh my goodness. I got it, honey. <laughs> well, our names are Lori and Carl LaBeouf, and I feel very humbled to be able to speak this morning. And I just, I, I have to say, Lawson, it is so clear that God's hand is upon you. And I just, I, I just expect big things from you. I can see a future in ministry for you. So I just want to encourage you in that regard. Oh, my goodness. Well, before we begin, I'd like to just pray. Dear Father God, I just, um, I just thank you for this opportunity um, to speak. And Father, we just thank you for the healing that you've done. And Father, I just pray that you will just um, speak through us today. And uh, I don't know who out there needs to hear this, but um, Father, I just pray that you will bless, bless them. In Jesus' name I pray. So, on the night of July 3rd, this guy right here, my husband Carl, he died. 
and God raised him back to life. Just like Lazarus in the Bible. And this story is all about healing and praying with unshakable faith so that we might see the glory of God right here on earth. So on the evening of July 3rd, and by the way, he doesn't remember much of this, so I'm speaking, plus his voice is a little uh, raspy today. So, uh, but the night of July the 3rd, we were over at the fireworks at Austin Baptist Church. We were there with our, our youngest daughter, Mia, our friend Beverly and her granddaughter, Jenea, and um, it was a beautiful evening. We left the fireworks and we walked over to Vandegrift to get our car. Carl was driving and as we drove past the roundabout in between Austin Baptist and the apartment complex on McNeil, Carl just suddenly veered into the back of a parked car. Thankfully, no one was inside the car. Uh, the airbags deployed, there was a lot of smoke in the vehicle um, and he was completely and totally non-responsive. He didn't appear to be breathing. My first thought was that he had had a stroke. Mia and Beverly called 911 immediately, and I ran around to the driver's side of the car, realized the car was still on, shut it off, and turned my attention to Carl, and he wasn't responding. And Beverly started screaming to me, don't touch him, don't touch him. The paramedics are on their way. They were worried about a possible neck injury from the car accident. So the four of us started immediately praying and I thank God that Beverly and Mia and Janae were with me um, at that time. And I asked Beverly, I, I, I said, Beverly, you have to text Our Lady's small group. You have to text the Ring of Fire and ask them to start praying immediately. I wanted everybody I knew to start praying right then and there. I called our oldest daughter. I asked her to call everyone she could to tell them to start praying over Carl. Two officers arrived on the scene first. They quickly took him out of the car and began doing CPR. As they laid him out on the concrete, there were people everywhere. People stopped on the sidewalk and started praying with us. The lady whose car was in front of the one that we had rear-ended stopped and her daughter, she and her daughter started praying with us. The new pastor from Austin Baptist came running across the street and started praying with us. A lady whose husband had had a massive heart attack and had survived, stopped, and started praying with us. What I want to really emphasize here is there was a community of people praying in agreement right then and there. And we continued to pray throughout Carl's journey, but there was something really, really powerful about what happened that night. I realized as we were standing there, how close we were to 2222. And I knew that God had protected us. The EMS could have not got, they could never have gotten to us on 2222. And I don't even want to think about what could have happened had we made it there. Carl could have easily driven up on the sidewalk. There were children everywhere. That hitting that parked car was a blessing. Again, I could see God's protection at work. Before I knew it, there were five, seven big, burly firemen just working furiously on Carl doing CPR. And the next thing I knew, they had brought out the paddles 
And they started shocking him and they kept shocking him. And I later learned that they had to shock him four times in order to get a heartbeat. Every now and then a fireman would come over and ask me a question to see if Carl have any complaints today. Did he have a history of heart problems? Other than high blood pressure, he didn't have any. It seemed like forever that they were working on him. And finally, a man walked over to me and said, are you his wife? I said, yes. He said, and this is exactly how he said it. We got your husband's heart started for now. Where would you like us to take him? And I just said, wherever you could get the best care the fastest. And the next thing I knew, he was gone. He was whisked away. One of the paramedics told me that he would take Mia and I to the hospital. And Bev and Jenea, um, the lady whose husband had the heart attack, she drove them back to the apartment. And then they later met us at the hospital. It turns out our car was actually totaled in that accident. And yet nobody in the vehicle was injured in the collision. I'd say that's a God. That's a miracle right there. En route to the hospital, the paramedic shared with me, they had gotten to us within three minutes. He told me their average response time was eight minutes plus. He told me that if we had been at home, really if we'd been anywhere other than where we were, Carl would not have survived. He told me that he had personally shocked Carl's heart twice and had gotten nothing. He was in absolute awe that they were able to get his heart started again. Once we got to the hospital, we found our way to the heart cath lab. And shortly after midnight, the doctor came out and told us what they thought had happened. Carl had some blockage in the left anterior descending artery or the LAD, also known as the Widowmaker, that they thought had caused an arrhythmia and that the arrhythmia had just caused his heart to stop beating. They didn't think surgery was necessary at that time. I later learned that only about 12% of people with Widowmaker attacks actually survive and that most have severe consequences with irreversible damage and scarring that can permanently affect the function of the heart. Carl has no permanent damage to his heart. The doctor told us that they were going to treat him medically with drugs and that once he was stable, they would do an assessment to see if he was a candidate for a defibrillator. He was young and he was otherwise healthy. The paramedics had gotten to him quickly, but Carl had been down for a very long time. And even with great CPR, there was still oxygen deprivation to his brain. They told us that they were gonna put him into a medically induced coma and lower his body temperature to try and reduce the swelling for the next 24 to 48 hours. And after that, they would warm him up and see what we were dealing with. Shortly thereafter, a nurse came to take us to his ICU room and she told us that the room was located on 4 West. That may not mean anything to you, but my daughter and I, Mia and I, looked at each other with eyes wide and just smiled from ear to ear. And the nurse looked at us quizzically and she said, we said, our daughter Mia is a two-time cancer survivor and she did the majority of her treatment at Children's Hospital in New Orleans on 4 West. 
we took that as another God sign. <laughs> so what we went through with Mia um, definitely helped me handle the situation with Carl. Um, God had healed. I'd, I'd seen him heal Mia through prayer and through a bone marrow transplant 15 years earlier. So I'd seen the power of prayer and, and Mia's miraculous deliverance. So I knew I had to lean on those around me and I knew that I had to lean into God. But I also knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that our God is a God of miracles. And I just believed that the work was already done. Our oldest daughter arrived around 2 a.m. and they took us up to ICU. We spoke with the ICU doctor around 3 a.m. and with the information he gave us, we were able to piece together the timeline. The 911 calls came in at 9.53. EMS arrived three minutes later at 9.56. CPR started right then and there. The ICU doctor told us that his first, they first recorded his heart beating at 10.16. If you do the math, that's a minimum of at least 20 to 30, 20 to 23 minutes that he was clinically dead and not breathing on his own. And that, that's just crazy. The doctor told us it was a wait and see game. And he told us that Carl could potentially wake up and have no issues. He could wake up and have very serious brain damage or that he might not ever wake up at all. And that night I prayed for God to give me some sort of a vision that I could hold on to in the middle of this. And I don't know if you're gonna be able to, are you able to pull that slide up of Carl? God did give me a vision. I woke up the next morning and he had given me two pictures of Carl side by side. One where he was still in his coma on the left. This is the first time I've publicly shown this picture. And the other with him sitting up in the hospital, smiling at me, like you see there. And the caption read, oh, what a difference a week makes. That right there kept me going. <laughs> and while that week was rough, Will Davis and the intercessory team and all of our friends and church family were absolutely amazing. Will kept in touch daily and the prayer team was working night and day prayer, praying over Carl. Two days later, the hospital started warming him up so that he could come out of his medically induced coma. But he wasn't waking up. And he also wasn't responding to pain stimuli. I asked Chris and Will if we could have a Zoom prayer meeting for Carl and we did. Everyone was praying over Carl. When Carl, when Will was praying over Carl and calling him out of the coma, I felt Carl's thumb twitch. Then when Beverly started praying over Carl, his right leg started moving. He still didn't wake up, but it was huge progress. And all that week, we struggled to keep his blood pressure within normal limits. He, we learned that he had sustained a small stroke. Looks pretty good for a guy who's had a stroke, right? <laughs> I personally saw his blood pressure go to 223 over 200. That was really scary, but I trusted in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is my life verse. And I just fully surrendered myself to God and told him I was gonna trust him no matter what happened. 
And when I asked Carl what scripture came to mind when we were going to talk today, he said Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So I knew he had the right verse. <laughs> and we are going to trust in the Lord God with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in always acknowledge him. And he will direct our path. <sighs> Guys, um, some of the things that I did to hold on to my faith during this difficult time, I leaned on our church family. I leaned on Will. I leaned on Brandy. I leaned on our friends and prayer partners. I listened to worship music nonstop. And I learned about healing scriptures from my friend Hope. I played those all night long in the ICU. I read inspiring books out loud so Carl could hear them, especially stories from Imagine Heaven, which tells of near-death experiences, which I had hoped he would be able to tell me about when he woke up. I whispered scripture and positive statements in Carl's ear morning, noon, and night that he was already healed. He was just resting and gathering his strength for when he would wake up. I danced and sang and prayed a lot. <laughs> they probably thought I was a little crazy in the ICU. Um, and Friday night, a week after we had arrived in ICU, Carl had maybe too much information. He'd thrown up. And a couple of times, and a new nurse that I'd never seen came into the room. And she said, Carl, Carl, does your tummy hurt? And as he lay there, I saw his head shake back and forth, and I practically screamed, he just responded to you. And the new nurse looked at me and said, has he not been responsive? And I was like, no. They went through the squeeze my hand, squeeze my hand, wiggle your toes. I just fell down on my knees. I just was praising God. I mean, for this absolute miracle, it just, yeah. It took several days for him to gain his clarity and his strength, but by Monday, he'd been sent to the step-down ICU. He did develop an infection that kept him in the hospital until July, but once he cleared the infection, he made huge strides in improvement every single day. The doctors kept telling us, oh, it could take a year or longer for him to fully recover. This guy's done it in less than six months. He went back to work part-time about four weeks ago, and he started back to work full-time this past Monday. And do you recall that I, I mentioned the story of Lazarus? And if you want to go back and read it, it's in um, John 11. Lazarus had been dead for four days, okay, not 20 minutes. But Jesus told both Martha and Mary the same thing. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead so that others might believe. And I believe that Jesus raised Carl from the dead so that others might believe. Our God is a God of miracles. And we are tremendously grateful and thankful to each and every one of you.
we did not want for anything. Talk about provision. Many in this room brought food to us while we were in the hospital. You donated money so that we could pay our bills. You put together exercise equipment <laughs> for him to be able to work out. Um, you cleaned our garage, you cleaned our house, you mowed our lawns, you fixed our bicycles, um, you stocked our refrigerators, you helped us with budgeting, you purchased Mia's new hair pieces, and the list just goes on and on and on. And so we want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I had another slide, which I'm not going to talk about, but it just had some practical things. Or if you want to just come talk to me um, about some of the practical things that I had done to try and really maintain my sanity. Um, but it was really just God. God just carried me throughout that entire time. So I'd like to just pray. Um, dear Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for just your tremendous healing for your um provision for your your just your peace in the middle of just a, the horrible storm and lord i know we're not promised you know that, that everything's going to be smooth all the time and that's okay because we can trust in you Lord, I, we just, we surrender it all to you. And, and I believe that was really instrumental. And um, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for healing my husband. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the healing power of prayer. I thank you for, for giving your son to die on the cross for us, Father. Not just for the forgiveness of sins, but also for healing. They're inexplicably intertwined together, Lord. And I just, I just can't, I just stand in awe of all that you have done, Lord. And I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. And Father, I just ask if there's anyone in this room right now or anyone online who needs that type of healing, Father, that you will just lift them up. Let them feel your presence. Father, just overcome them right now. Just ambush them. Father, just ambush them. Father, just bring them the peace and the comfort that they need in the middle of the storm, Father, because we know, we know that you are a God of miracles. Father, we love you so much. We love you and we trust in you with all our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.